let's get scratching. We got an explosive broadcast coming to you. Listen up. Sega games, just keep playing them. Sega! We're back. It's the Sega Bit Swing Report Show. Live. Get ready for Sega interviews and news. Hello and welcome to the Segabit Swinging Report Show Live. I'm Barry, and it is a beautiful uh, three o'clock uh, Chicago time. Why am I Why am I doing this show so early? I mean, we do the opening credits that shows uh, the city of Chicago at night, but I don't think it's nighttime outside right now. That's because we have a special guest coming in. It's night where he is. Yes, uh, it is. <laughs> Without further ado, let's bring him in here. It is of Sega-driven fame. It's Lewis, a.k.a. Sonic Yoda. Hello. Oh, wow. <laughs> People are excited. Um, I don't... I, I play that, and I hear a, a woman really loud going, Yay! And I'm like, I don't think any women read our site or even watch our videos. Um yeah, but uh, no, thank you so much for uh, joining in. No, thank, thank you very much for having me, buddy. It's been too too long since we've caught up in, well, I suppose in person, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, definitely. It, I, I should I should initiate more stuff with you as well. I'm, I'm bad for talking to the community, unfortunately. It's, it's not a problem at all. It's like, I mean, I, I definitely, I want to get into it. Um, mm. But I did want to share this, so um, people... In the YouTube verse, this is a picture of us that I took, uh, or you took. I don't know who took this. Someone took it. Um, I believe okay. this was at Sonic Boom. Was that right? Yes. You came to New yeah, York. Yes. The one and only time I've been to the U.S. And that's uh, wild. Yeah, it's a it's a um, picture of us. Yeah, no, I, I that that day in particular is very like wild for me because I remember. I was walking around the show floor and I heard someone go, Sonic Yoda! And it, I turned around and it was, it was you, you'd recognize me. And I was just, <laughs> it's just bizarre that I could have flown across, you know, an ocean, seven hours on a plane, go to somewhere I've never been to in my life and someone knew who I was. It's, <laughs> it was yeah, wild, it's, but. it was really wild because I think that was the first and last time I've seen a lot of people in person. And I'm not talking really? like... COVID-wise, like, there's a lot of people I haven't seen in person, but I think just in terms of, like, the way the community kind of works, it's like we're so spread out over the globe. There's so few events that we physically can attend because there's no more E3. Um, Yeah, yeah. There's no real Sonic events going on. There wasn't one for the 30th, and I know the pandemic caused that too, but even, I mean... Not everyone's going to do an international flight for every single event. Um, oh, of course, of course. And what? So, what drove you to to appear at uh, the New York one? Because that was a that was a strange and unique moment in Sonic history. Yeah, well, absolutely. Um, it well, it was it was just the right time, right place, sort of thing. So, I, I traveled an awful lot with um, Sven Jocelyn from the Sonic Stadium and Adam Tuff, also from the Sonic Stadium. And we'd just done a, uh, a a Japan holiday that summer, sort of thing. And um, 
I just I was in a good job at the time and I had the, the disposable income and yeah it, it was um, Adam suggested and it was I was good to do it so I was like okay why not let's uh, let's have a little break we found some good prices uh, he was enamored with the fact that we could uh, spend a little bit not too much more and we could go and stay at the Waldorf Astoria <laughs> so he spent the entire time quoting coming to America because uh, it was obsessed with it um, but yeah, no, it was, it was a really lovely break and, uh, yeah, obviously we had a few friends come over with us as well and it, a good opportunity to, to catch up with people that we know online and stuff in person. So absolutely. Really uh, last time I, I, I saw a, a Tika in person as well. RP. Um, so that was a really lovely, lovely day that was. Right. And yeah. Wow. So, yeah. yeah I, no, have, um, I have another picture here I'm putting up. This is, uh, myself, uh, tales channel. Yeah. Um, I'm yeah, blanking yeah. on his name. Uh, uh, Gareth. Is it Gareth no. from um, Find the yep. Room? That's it. Yep. yep. I mean, he's kissing me almost, and I look really <laughs> into it. So I, I better know his name if he's kissing me. Um, no, but that was, yeah, that was just wild. And, you know, there is a lot of, I mean, there's not a lot. I think there used to be a lot more drama within the community. Um, and It comes in those, doesn't it? Yeah. You spend any, it comes spend with any age. Time or fandom, there's always going to be, yeah, you know, cynicism and drama. It, it just happens, doesn't it? You know, so. right. It comes with age, though, because we've been doing this a long time. Now, let me know how long have you been doing Sega Driven? Sega Driven since 2008. Wow. Um, but I was doing a completely Sonic centric site called Sonic Yola, which is where the name comes from, uh, from 2000. So yeah. I've been in the community for a fair old time. That is a long time. And I mean, <laughs> we we started probably, I'm assuming we all started like in our like late teens, 20s um, for a lot of the people oh, yeah. in the blogging world. Yeah. And we've, I mean, obviously grown, but we're getting to that point where some people are reaching their late 30s, early 40s. Yeah. And I think with that, a lot of the drama is disappearing. Um well, yeah, it's. Um, I think you, you go through its stages, right? I think when you first come through the community, it's very exciting to be, you know, in amongst other people that have similar interests, and it's really just nice to be able to reach out to those people and find that you have a place and that you you all have a shared passion. Right. Then the cynicism comes the longer you're in the community, and you start to be like, oh, this isn't for me anymore, and you start to get aggravated by the small things. But then I think if you stick around a community long enough, fandom long enough, you start to just hone in on the things that you like about said thing. And I think I've found this, the specialist stuff that really, like, I latch on to and, and hold on to and still enjoy. And it's like, all right, you know, the quality may go up and down with any with any franchise, but um, there's always the stuff that you can really, you can really, you know, in, engross in and, and really get involved with. I, I've got a big... Um, love for you know um the merchandise side of things so i really like trying to catalog all the sega books that i can mm-hmm. find and all the reading material i really like to find home video releases because they're always so strange and out there like i there's there's some stuff that that you guys have got like there's, there's an amazing like box set of like the zillion anime and stuff right and it's just like how cool is it that that exists you know like, i think that's fantastic that like, things get re-released um but yeah I, that, that that stuff is really interesting to me and i like to catalog that those sort of sides of the, of the community now and it's 
while the yeah, like like say the while the overall product is not genuinely always fantastic, like <laughs> there's always there's other things that you can really like take focus on and enjoy, and I think that's what's always kept me interested in the Sega side of things and why I've always continued to run Sega Driven. It's just always interesting for me because I've I've got those bits that I like. Right. Yeah. And I'm I'm actually I'm I'm showing people the uh, site now. So it's it's largely a um, a blog when you first visit it. Uh, news stories here, yeah. um, as expected, and then you have your information tabs. So you have reviews, you have hardware merchandise, like you were talking about there. Um, and I think the most unique thing about Sega Driven is this cataloging. Um, yeah, I so... I know from experience with blogging that. You know, stories come and go. Once they leave the front page, you might not see them again unless it's a, a something that Google really picks up on or social media really picks up on and you're the, like, de facto story. Otherwise, it's just, like, you know, kind of regurgitating a press release or, or a YouTube video. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, no, absolutely. That's kind of what we're there for. That's the reason those press releases go out is so that we'll report on it and, and spread of the course. information. But what i what i really appreciate about your site is that you have this niche here that's this like i'm showing here the sonic boom posters you're not going to find like scans of this stuff um yeah i try i mean like unfortunately some of the imagery is a little bit outdated so it's not in the highest quality in the world but it's just nice to be able to like um catalog these things that really aren't sort of like, like getting much attention or um it would be nice to really devote more time to it and really go extensive because I, I, my biggest influences with the with the website are the Sonic HQ from back in the day. They used to have a really, really wide information resource, big mm -hmm. list of games and all the cheats and everything associated with each individual game. So I always love that side of things. Right. And um, I, I did a Sega 16 was another big one for me as well. Oh, they had a that's, massive review. Yeah, game. that's the granddaddy of all Sega resources. Yeah. Absolutely. If I if I could ever, um, you know, expand to anything that 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 large, I, I, I would. It would be a job well done, as far as I'm concerned. That's that's always the goal is to just have this huge information resource for people. As like you say, as as much as it, it feels like a, a, necess a necessity now to have a blog front page where you've got the news happening, and that's right. And that's fine. It's always good to keep what you know what's current on the front page um, because. Ideally, that's you know, you know, most of your traffic is just going to be people clicking links and seeing what's new and what's happening. But I've always kind of wanted to run Sega Driven like a website and an information resource, and that's that's really where my passion is with the website. I love to expand the uh, the features on the hardware and find weird peripherals and things to add to it, and all these strange little variants to the <laughs> systems. Um, so yeah, it's that's that's the enjoyment for me is making a place where people can go one stop shop okay what strange 8-bit variants of the mars system are kicking around you know like it's just yeah i love that sort of really. yeah it really i me. i've definitely picked up on that you like strange little oddities you like you like strange little things <laughs> <laughs> and there's that's that's cool because i'm definitely into that too like um there are those who are like here is my complete inbox uh genesis collection i own every <laughs> single whatever but then i've I really appreciate the types like us who are like, did you know that there's a fishing accessory for the Sega Pico and it only works with one Donald Duck game? Or or just the, <laughs> the strange little things like that you call out. Like, you're really into these LCD games. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah and no, it's I've just... Featured a few of those on the channel now, so yeah. 
Yeah, and and I really appreciate spotlighting kind of the 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 things you don't usually see talked about. Like I've heard more than enough about Shenmue, but no one's talking mm-hmm. about um, the, the Pico game that released in the U.S. That, called Musical Zoo that requires an exclusive <laughs> overlay, and it's the yep, only yep. U.S. game that that has it. Like to me. That's interesting, and that's what I'm archiving. I was I, I scanned that and put it on Sega Retro, and people were like, "Oh my god, I can finally play Musical Zoo on the Sega Pico," um, <laughs> because you uploaded the overlay, and it's just like those tiny little things um, are are they're small, but they're they're important because you know we're yeah, ca- cataloging, um, uh, archiving, show, showcasing things that otherwise would get lost. Um, now, before I brought you on, I was kind of musing on my, my personal Twitter about how many Sega fan sites there were and now how few there yeah. are. Um, so many of them have dropped off the map in the past two or three years. Mm-hmm. There's really, as far as English-speaking ones, there's there's us, uh, yep. and then there's Sonic sites, and then there's some like uh, Mexican-language, Italian-language ones, but or German, and they never... They never intersect with us, as far as I know. Um, they kind of keep yeah, to themselves. It's a, sh- it's a shame. There's, there's a, there's, a, there's a few like Portuguese Sonic websites that, that sometimes intersect, but um, yeah, it's it's very difficult, obviously, isn't it, because of the language barrier. And I'd love to be able to collaborate more, but it's. I feel as English speakers, we are notoriously lazy at learning other languages. Whereas I feel like most people with <laughs> English as a second language really, really delve into that and try and reach out more because it's. Well, it's this whole wider community that just seems to, unfortunately, they can't get involved in, and it's always, it's always nice to see people that reach out and, and generally try and, you know, just be a, be more of a part of what's going on worldwide. Because, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's it's the unfortunate thing, isn't it? It's like English is the wider spoken language, but yeah, it's it, there's there are so many niches that I'd love to touch on. I mean, again, another thing that I'm absolutely fascinated with is it's a Brazilian side of. Of Sega mm. and Tectoy and all that, I just think that that passion for the for the for the brand is so strong there still, um, and I'd love to learn more about it and be and have access to more of the, the of the hardware and stuff. But just import prices from Brazil are, are absolutely crazy to Europe. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it <laughs> happen until I until I holiday in Brazil, I think. But yeah. Oh yeah. Well, that sounds nice. Um, yeah, that's that's. Uh, I mean, that's that's the real tricky thing is. Um, that were so spread out. I, I would say I, um, I've i been kind of actively, like it's not like a New Year's resolution thing or anything, but I've just been a little more active in interacting personally with people within the community, even if it's just like little little tweets, little Facebook things, things like that. Um, a big change for me, and I, I didn't actively do this, but my Twitter account now defaults to my personal account rather than Segabits as soon as I open the app. And it's yeah. actually really helped me because it's it's caused me to see less of that like um, uh, community wide drama. Like I don't turn it on and see people complaining about Sonic so much. It's more like yeah. I only see the people I'm following, like uh, yourself or uh, uh, Aaron uh, Gagaman, um, yeah. animated AF. He he goes by many names. Yeah. Uh, Tracker, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. And and it's just uh, it's. It's been a lot more positive experience for me as a fan now because it feels a little more personal. Um, yeah, yeah. 
And that's kind of part of the reason why I wanted to reach out and talk to you because, I mean, you know, it's not like we're going to be hanging out every weekend. But no, <laughs> it's, it's I, I feel like we have so many things in common. A lot of the times we're doing the same things, but we're, we're very rarely talking to each other just on yeah, the side sometimes. Good. And it's, it's important, especially, I think, moving forward because there is um, there are different types of uh, – content creators out there you know there's there's the twitch streamers who have really become prominent there's the youtubers who have you know been there for a long time and then there's kind of like the old guard of the fan sites who are either (laughs) aging out of it or just kind of getting a little more chill uh, casual with it um and so i I don't know it's it's strange because like i've never quite i've I've done YouTube for quite a while now, and it's never mm-hmm. really sort of taken off like massively. I really enjoy it, and I and I think the problem is is that I don't have a niche with with YouTube. It's very much like well, it's I run a Sega site, right? So I want to be wide and broad with my with my scope, and I'd like to just cover whatever takes my fancy at any given point, and 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 hopefully if I can talk about it with enough passion, people will want to jump on board and watch those things. Right. But I think that's not really quite how YouTube works. I think YouTube works better when the channel has a has a specific focus that people can really go go in for, and it's like okay, if I want this specific thing, I go to this channel. Um, but unfortunately, my channel has never been very specific. Now, I mean, there, there's a few moments throughout the year where it's like, okay, well, Sage Dream is obviously going to cover Sage around, you know, um, sort of uh, the full time, and mm-hmm. um, and the same with the hacking contest as well later in the year, um, and that seems to be always a big draw on the channel, but. Throughout the year, it's just fair game. It's like, okay, well, if I want to review Art Alive on the Mega Drive, <laughs> then I'm going to do that. <laughs> right. Uh, because I have some weird, you know, nostalgia for that, and it's like, okay, I'm sure I can make an entertaining video out of it. You know, so. Yeah. So yeah, that's. But that's yeah. It, it's never quite. It's never quite fit in with the YouTube ethos, and same with streaming. I've tried streaming, but I, I don't know. It doesn't really doesn't really click with me i like to create a thing and edit it down and mm-hmm. and make it it's a best you know contained thing whereas streaming always feels really flabby to me it's just like i don't know if i've got enough interesting things to just blab about well for an hour or however long just right you know, it's it, it's a skill it's a skill being entertaining and streaming i think it's it's a lot harder work but um I can I can edit an entertaining video I think but yeah it's, right uh, yeah it's just one of the things never never quite vibe with me and I think that's probably because of the background with the website because it's like I like to write I like to construct a thing and and make something specific for purpose whereas yeah streaming always feels very sort of like I'm just kind of shooting the I, I won't swear <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean and there's also this yeah. like this way that you think you're supposed to go about it like you see you see yeah. how streamers you see how youtubers do it and you're like i guess i have to do the reaction face on the video yeah, i guess yeah. i have to be the star of the content i guess i need yeah. to do the wall of video games behind me in all my videos <laughs> um i guess i need to like post a video every day and i've learned to just kind of stop chasing it i used to be very obsessive with how many views we got i'd be like if we dip below a thousand views on a video i'm gonna be upset and now like i look and i'm like oh we only got 300 views on that one video but i i put it into perspective like if those are if if even if half of those are like active uh viewers who are seeing it from beginning to end and are really into it yeah, yeah. 
like a couple hundred people isn't a lot on the internet, but it is a lot because I, I have yeah, done absolutely. one uh, panel in my lifetime at uh, Too Many Games in uh, mm-hmm. outside Philadelphia. We packed a room and people were standing and I was like, this is amazing. Awesome. And yeah, yeah. and it was not, I mean, it, it was probably, you know, less than 100 people, but it was people who were engaged and interested in what we, we had to say. And it, it really put things into perspective. And so when I came back and was doing YouTube videos again, I'm like, you know what? If people are watching this and enjoying it, that's all that matters. I don't need to hit these met- metrics. I don't need to get the plaque. Um, you know, it would be nice, but I don't, yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, like, I just kind of... If it ever happens, that's, that's great. Right. But right. I'd, I'd rather find the niche that entertains me and continue to put that forward. Because if I'm being entertained then surely I'm putting forward a passionate video or a passionate right. piece of writing. I, I would much prefer that to be my output than just, okay, I guess I've got to do another one of these because that's the way I get views or that's the way I get hits. You know, it's just like, mm-hmm. that's, 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 that's no way to, to be a part of a fandom online. I think if you're be it, you know, writing for fan sites or, or making fan content like we have been for so long now, um, you've got to be passionate about it. Otherwise, why do it? So mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's always been the thing for me. That's like I'd rather stay engaged with it and find the things that I, I I really enjoy, so that I can continue to be passionate about you know Sega and stuff. So, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. And you you actually you're not doing it alone. You have um, uh, other people on the site, or at least one other person, correct? Tracker. Yeah, uh, it's, it's mainly just Tracker. But, um, yeah, so he's um, a few years back now, and it's been really lovely having him on board because. I mean, yeah, I'm super blessed to have someone like him on board because he's very ear to the ground, always picks up on things that I'm not so um, aware of, like lots of more niche things. He's broken some really cool stories. Um, and, yeah, it's just lovely to have someone like that on board and pick up on the bits and pieces that I wouldn't generally sort of touch upon just because, for whatever reason, they don't touch my sphere of influence or whatever. Um, and yeah, he's he's a great lad. I'm, I'm really really chuffed that he, he he agreed to come on board, and he's he really awesome. helps like grow. And it's like yeah, he's a great friend as well. We've met a few times in person. Normally, it's summer mixing and things, but uh, even though we're in the same country, he's, he's not he's not exactly local, so we don't get to get to catch up as much. But we always get on like a house on fire whenever we do, and it's it's really really, really nice to have him on board. So yeah, that's no, fantastic. It's, it's been great. I really enjoyed having Tracker with us. Yeah, because he, he used to, um, he would write occasionally for us, but mainly did, like, YouTube videos for us before he went off and did yeah. um, some of his own stuff. And um, yeah. I wish him well. I haven't really talked to him all that much. It's just, again, just kind of like people come and go within within the communities, and sometimes you just kind of stop chatting. But um, I wish him well. I love his content. So I'm really glad that he uh, he landed there. There's no... No drama between us. It's just kind of like, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> I just one day I was like, oh, he's on the other side. That's cool. Um, uh, but, yeah, so I wanted to talk about uh, interests you have outside of Sega. Now, obviously, you have an interest in games, um, yep. hardware. So are there any other... And I'm not talking about like say, oh, I, I like PlayStation or, or Xbox, but like dig down a little deeper. Like, what are some games you're super passionate about? Oh, right. Well, the Miss franchise one um, that that started a few years back because I think like most people, most people's experience with Mist 
like is you muck around for a bit try and figure out what's happening and make pull some switches nothing really happens you get frustrated and turn it off right <laughs> um, so i decided a few years back i'm gonna actually properly sit down with a walkthrough play the game learn its mechanics and figure out what what's going on so um yeah i did that uh, absolutely loved it i think it's such an amazingly atmospheric game really pretty i love that there's like no like um what's the word there's no like danger at any given point um you don't right. really have to worry about a, a, a timer or any enemies you're never going to get killed um it's very explorative I, I just the experience was extremely relaxing and it just once i'd been through it i was like okay this this is fantastic i i, I understand now why this was like the top selling pc game of all time for a while right um and yeah it just made me want to into that franchise and I got really obsessed with it I think it's a fantastic thing it reminds me a lot of like the sort of modern sort of walking sim type games things like Dear Esther and um, oh, I'm trying to think of some other ones now there's, there's one with the tower that's, oh, that's really annoying it's cool. I can't come to mind at the moment but yeah um, I, I really love those explorative sort of story driven games I think they're, they're really just relaxing to play and I like as well a very sort of like condensed experience I'm not I'm not one for hundred hour RPGs and things like that so it's mm-hmm. just nice to be able to have an evening and go through a game to its completion within an hour or two um, so that's really nice and yeah I just that's a, that's a franchise I'm absolutely obsessed with now um, I think I've got a bit of a uh, a strange attitude when it comes to, to finding new things to enjoy I get a little bit too um, obsessed with well now mm. I'm a fan of this I now need to be the biggest fan of this and I start to get all the games and all the that's me that's me um (laughs) yeah (laughs) i mean to talk about mist briefly um that i I like you brought up there's no enemies i mean there's no there's no there's no time limit there's no to my knowledge there's no time limit. there's no danger impending danger so you it's it's a rare game that you can just casually play um, yeah. And I do really love that about it. I'm thinking of uh, like similar games like um, D, where there is a time limit oh, yeah, and there are dangers. Yeah. And so D's like, yeah. uh, it's like Evil Mist or something like that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's it's a really serene game too, really calm and relaxing to play. I um, I got acquainted with it when I was in grade school. I took a video game design like summer camp. And it was two weeks. The first week we would play Myst, and then the second week yep. we would design a game using this very simplistic software. It was I don't know what it was called, but you had elements. It, I mean, it was easy enough for grade schoolers to learn, um, but you had a turtle, <laughs> and the turtle yep. was the player. And then you would say, like, if turtle does this, and then what you could do is you could create... Um, uh, new pixel graphics for these things within the game so that the turtle would become your player and just right. the code would refer to the player as turtle. Um, yeah, yeah. And I used like Mist kind of as uh, as inspiration for it, obviously, because we were playing it, but um, I believe I made a game called The Last Knight, but it was K-N-I-G-H-T, and you were a knight yeah. who was separated from his group, and then you had to find your way home, so you would go through all of these puzzles, and each page was a puzzle. Right. Um, but it was just, it was a lot of fun. But yeah, Mist has always been like, I guess important to me for that reason, because it was my first real uh, experience in game design. I've never designed anything since. 
uh, in a video game. Um, I also uh, really liked the uh, materials that came along with Mist. I re- there was a, a um, I don't know if you have them there, but it's it's like the type of stores that sell overstock stuff. So it's like okay. we couldn't sell. So basically, they were selling these Mist uh, packs. It came with a Mist T-shirt, a Mist novel, right. and then like. Yep. Um, something else missed and it was in a cardboard box everything but the game missed was in there um, and I got it for like five bucks and I read the novel I, the novel I don't know if it was the book of Atris or something like that that's the first novel yeah yeah Yeah, I read it for a book report and I, I just remember yeah, I feeling like yeah. such an adult I was like wow this book's so deep it's like a book about books and you go inside the books <laughs> Um, well, that's, that's like the, the appeal of the games as well. It's like, how many games are there that are about like, the joy of reading and like getting involved in a, in a world that exists within the pages and stuff? It's like it's a very physical representation of, oh, you, you read to take yourself to another world. It's like, oh, uh, right. absolutely. Like, that's such a lovely idea. It's very romantic, I think, is, is what I think of the, that whole concept. But yeah, it's, 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 it's a really lovely thing. And I think those novels as well as like, as, a, as expanded universe material goes, they are some of the better like video game novels out there. I was very surprised at how how much they added to the overall you know story and, and backstory of the characters. I, I think that's a fantastic little thing. And again, like it's it's that that fascination with me about all the extraneous bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I know we're both Star Wars fans, and I'm sure we we both dabble in expanded universe things over the past. So, and uh, that's that's always the fun for me. It's like okay, well. If the main franchise isn't giving me what I want right now, the comics are, or the books are, or you know, there's lots of other bits and pieces to explore, and that's that. Again, I, I love I love delving into big franchises and finding all those other little bits and pieces that that take my fancy. So yeah, no, it's been I love that franchise. <laughs> yeah, I I saw too that um, uh, well I. Not, Track, backtrack. Uh, during the pandemic, I, I started to get really in, in like into stuff that I used to be into. Just you know, working from home, I'd be digging through boxes, finding things. Um, so yeah, I, I was. What was my big obsession over the X Files? Was my big thing over the pandemic was oh, really? um, looking for X Files books, looking for X Files like fan guides, and so I did. I amassed this like. Um, extraneous materials like collection of X-Files yeah. so I'm like oh I've got all the X-Files novels and then I'm like oh no I gotta read them I don't really want to read them but I have them <laughs> um, I, I know the it's just it's, it's strange isn't it it's like I think I feel it's like it's sort of almost like an obsessive attitude where it's just like I feel like I'm missing something if I don't engage with all the other stuff and it's just like it's it's it, maybe it's a little bit like unhealthy to be like that with all the things that you get into to just be like oh i need to, to check out everything now that i'm into this one thing um but yeah i, I like to think i've got control <laughs> <laughs> um well i wanted to talk about um sonic the hedgehog for a moment so i mean that's that's a franchise with a lot a lot a lot a lot of stuff to um to get into and for me as an american i've always wanted to read the sonic the comics like in full and it's just been so difficult because i i mean maybe i can seek out scans i'm sure they're out there um there are yeah but i just it's it's such a disappointment that there is no like um reprint uh of those 
stories. Same with Archie. I mean, if you guys want to read Archie, you got to pirate them too because uh, over half the Archie library is unpublished, undigital. You know, the only way yep. you can get it is the, the original floppy comics. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's almost, I guess it's kind of a good thing that it's so hard to find every single piece of Sonic material. Otherwise, I'm sure you and I would be like trying to amass all of it, you know, like. Yeah, no, to, I, know, to, I know the feeling. Yeah. You know, like, I want to know everything there is about Sonic. So I got to read every single comic book from every single country. <laughs> I've got to play every single game. Um, and, of course, there is a new game coming out now. We've got uh, Sonic Frontiers. What is? Yep. What are you looking forward to and what are you kind of fearing from that game, if if anything? I, th- I think it's too early to tell at the moment. Um, I, I, I don't like to get stuck at that horrible sort of fandom Sonic cycle thing where it's just like, oh, it looks amazing. And then it comes out and it's disappointing and everybody sort of gets stuck in that, that loop. I just, I really, I've I've tried to break away from that now because um, it's just like, we can't, you can't know how something is going to work mechanically on a short little trailer that doesn't show you any gameplay. And it's like, (laughs) let's, let's see more and, you know, experience a little bit more of it before we make some, any judgment calls at the moment. I think the art, the idea of an open world Sonic game is really intriguing, and I'd mm-hmm. love to see how it's going to work out. I am genuinely quite excited to see what the end goal is with 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 the open world. I think that could be really interesting. Um, right. I'm a little bit concerned that it's going to move too fast for you to really like in, engage with the open world, but at the same time. It could be a case that they're slowing Sonic down, so you can actually a little, appreciate the, the environment a little bit better. Um, so, it, but again, it's too early to tell. It's too early. To tell. It's just there's no. There's, That's true. We haven't seen how he controls or functions, or I, I just yeah. It's at the moment it's like okay. Well, I'm guessing it's more than Sonic style, and there's going to be an open world. Um, but even like the things that you would normally associate with Sonic the Hedgehog, there's no. We haven't seen any badniks. We haven't right. seen any rings. So it's it's how wildly different is this going to be, or are they holding things back that are very atypical Sonic? So I'm cautiously optimistic at the moment because you've got to be, you know, you, you yeah. engage with a franchise this long. I think it's good to be, you know, <laughs> well, it could surprise us. It could be great, you know. I remember when Sonic Colors was coming out, and um, initially it was a it was a case of okay, I don't know what to think of this, and then to preview it, and it was like. This is now my favorite 3D Sonic game. <laughs> right. So it's yeah. like it's you can never you can never know until you get some hands on time really. So Yeah, that's a great point because when I when I look and look at the videos and the screenshots and read about there's just a recent interview that went out about how they want like seamless transitions between zones and areas, which I think is really interesting. Um yeah, yeah. The, my mind kind of goes different places. On one hand I could see it as almost like this sprawling, almost like Fantasy Star Online 2 feeling game where the only real Sonic thing is Sonic and maybe Eggman and his friends. And outside of that, you're going to be seeing a lot of new stuff. He's not even going to be collecting rings. Um, He's not even going to be battling robots. But then on the other hand, I could also see it turning out like, oh, uh, there will be these just like random patterns of rings to kind of get you to explore areas. You're like, well, I didn't want to go that way, but there's 30 rings in a row, so I might as well follow that path, see where it takes me. Um, Oh, cool, there's actual... I mean, and so there's... We just don't know right now, and it's... it's, 
I, I, I see the Sonic fan community kind of like um, picking at nits right now or just, just making up drama. Like they go, oh, the model looks the same. I have, you know, I have not <laughs> thought about Sonic's model since 2001. Like, quite honestly, I don't, I care, but I don't care that much. So when people say, oh, it's the Forces model, I go, okay, so he looks like Sonic. And they're like, oh, it's different than that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, No, no, I mean, look, it's a great character design. It doesn't need to go through evolutions and, oh, we need to add thousands more polys to it because we're making use of modern hardware. You've got to remember, it's releasing across generations as well. It's not going to. To, to run well if it's going to be thousands of bodies on Switch, is it? Especially in an open world game. So, like, it, 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 it's going to have to hold a few things back to be cross compatible and run a decent pace. So, like, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that the higher end systems will run it better and it will probably run at 60 and be at 4K and things. And that'll be fantastic if the art design is great enough. It, it, will, it will transfer across the ports. It doesn't matter. But it's um, it's not necessary to the character as long as it's, it's like okay, there's Sonic. He's doing his thing in the game, and it looks like Sonic. Then we all good. Like we can carry on and move on with our lives. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. I, I. It's interesting that you know we both attended the Sonic Boom event where they debuted. Uh, I think the one of the first uh, fan accessible playable demos of Rise of Lyric. Correct. That was there. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was, yeah. And so I think that was, a, it was, I wouldn't say it's a similar situation because this, that was dealing with a third party, um, yeah. Sega of America product. This is a very different beast with uh, Sonic Frontiers, but it was a situation where we're like, all right, well, let's be cautiously optimistic. Let's check it out. And yeah. I remember as soon as they put that controller in my hands, I knew something was off. And I'm like, I hope this yeah. is like a demo, like with, you know, like yeah. It, it felt automated. It felt slow and choppy. It just did yep. not feel right. I felt like I was playing Sonic Heroes, but like on rails. You know what I mean? Yeah, like I exactly. What you mean. Yeah, I know exactly <laughs> what you mean. It was a it was a strange old time for the franchise. It's weird to think back to a time where there were three different eras of Sonic competing at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like they they made just clear distinctions between classic, modern, and boom. And they were all running concurrently, and it was like, lads, you just need to like focus on one thing and do it well. <laughs> like, I, I hate to always bring like the Nintendo comparison back, but like, there is clearly a bible for Mario. You know, like mm-hmm. he can only be this way, he can only control this way, he can only be this way. Whereas Sonic, it's just like that. It is so fractured now, where it's like we need to appeal to all these different elements of the fan base. So we've got to have a classic. We've got to have a modern. We've got to have a boom. We've got to cover all these bases. And some of the games can be action. Some of them can be racing. Some of them can be platformers. Right. You, I, I would just like to see a little bit of cohesiveness from the Sonic fan. <laughs> Sometimes. Like, it, right. It, that's, that's the thing that worries me a little bit with Frontiers, is that we're now scrapping everything that's come before and starting fresh and it's like okay this is now what we're going to try hopefully this one will work and then we can continue doing this style for for however many games but it's just like i would much prefer you to set on a house style mm-hmm. perfect it and just continue to iterate on it over the years i would much prefer that sort of thing because, well, what um, was what was then, unique about forces though is it yeah. was almost like a culmination of the 3d era because it referenced everything from chaos and sonic adventure yeah. all the way through the previous game 
and yeah, yeah. I know people are down on that game, but that's actually my favorite element of it is that it tr- it really feels like um, I-, I wouldn't say it's a celebration. I think Generations was a true <laughs> celebration of Sonic in all eras, but Forces felt like a culmination. If anything, it was like, yes. all right, we've, we're taking everything from Sonic Adventure all the way through to the the previous game you played. It's all like this is kind of the end of the story. And then we're yeah, moving yeah. on to something new. Because I, th- I think even at the end, Sonic was just like, all right, bye. <laughs> he like ran yeah, off. Yeah. <laughs> and so no, I would not be bothered if we get into a new era of Sonic that's similar to Unleashed, where it's like new new places, new characters, and the only real um, uh, elements that aren't changing are Sonic and his friends, Rings, and Robotnik. And we don't need to have references to... Um, Spagonia and um, and the Deadly Six and Chaos because there was a real almost like a there was a connection there going from um, Colors to um, what was it Generations because Colors led into Generations like the plot it had flashbacks to the events of it Um, and then Lost World happened which kind of felt like a reboot but then Forces came out which took elements from Lost World and mixed it in with the previous games. Yeah. So, and, and Lost World obviously took elements from Colors as well because there's Wiz Powers. So right. Absolutely. Yeah, right. There's a lot of connection. I, I found that. And I like that cohesiveness sometimes. It's just like, okay, you know, we've got some things that work. Let's carry them forward and we'll iterate on them. But again, it's like that core gameplay mechanic just always changes so frequently. Mm. Like Lost World was just like, okay, Boost gameplay's out. We're now going to do this weird parkour thing. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's just like, okay, that's 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 interesting. But like, I, I I don't know if we need to reinvent the wheel every time we we do a new Sonic game. I'd like there at least to be some core mechanics that carry over each time, so that it's not like I have to learn a whole new set of mechanics every time. It's like right, what is yeah, hold trigger to run. Is the, is the you know. attack going to be on its own button now, or is it going to be on something else? Yeah, it's just a bit strange. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I mean, and that's that's what works so well with Sonic Mania is that you put the controller in your hand and it just felt like you were continuing on from Sonic yeah. Three and Knuckles. It was just like. And I I see uh, younger fans or modern fans who are like, what's the big deal? You guys are making up all this excitement. You're not that. You're just, you know, you're trying to make the modern fans look bad by gushing over mania. But I'm like, no, you don't get it. Like, it it, it feels one-to-one, which I thought was yeah. impossible after Sonic 4 and after the, yeah, the yeah. advanced games. And it just, it w- and even after Generations, I actually really liked how Classic Sonic handled, but it was not a perfect, you know, it did not feel like uh, like the same controls as, as the yeah. Genesis games. But it was just, it was absolutely amazing. And so I would absolutely love to, like, have my hands go on the controller with Frontiers, and it just, I'm like, wow, I, I feel like, it just feels so natural, it feels... Almost like a callback to some of Sonic's best 3D controlling, which, in my opinion, in terms of exploration, maybe would be like ad- the Adventure two, one and two games, and um, yeah. uh, even Unleashed. I think Unleashed was a lot of fun to control when you were exploring, yeah. uh, not boosting. I think, uh, the thing working against Unleashed was more its performance than its controls. It was, mm. it was just so stuttery, and it would, yeah, it, it always felt like you were a little bit out of control because of. Just it's 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 its own in-game performance, but the actual controls themselves are really solid and robust. And yeah, when it was running at a good clip, it always felt like you you had full control over the character. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, 
yeah, Unleashed is a strange old game. That was the one that kind of killed my Sonic site at the time because I was very sort of caught up in that that hype cycle. I remember seeing the trailers and thinking, <laughs> "Oh, fantastic! We're getting we're getting multi tiered two D stages again, and you know we're going to have that sort of old school exploration." And then I played the game, and a lot of people were down on the Werehog stuff, but I was really down on the Day stuff because I felt like. The, the game early on teaches you that you've got this boost mechanic that you should really make use of and always be pushing forward. And then as the game progresses, the stages get very obsessed with pitfalls. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, now I need to be careful. And it's working against what you've taught me earlier on. So I'm always falling down pits and it's just very infuriating to play. So, um, yeah, that was the thing that really sort of like killed it for me. I was just like, oh, I'm not too sure I've got the the energy for this franchise anymore it's not doing the things that i'd, I'd like it to do so I, that was that was the thing that was the catalyst for like okay let's let's call time on the sonic site and maybe we'll go full sega because there's a lot of other stuff that i enjoy that i can i can give my time and when i feel i've got the passion for sonic i can come back to that you know so that was I, it was a good choice in the end but um yeah it was a bit of a <laughs> as you can imagine at the time i was uh a little bit younger, so you can imagine the the dramatic. I, I'm closing oh. the site. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> well, I look. <laughs> I look back at the the forum posts I was making back in like 2008, 2010. Oh, I'm like, where did I find the energy to talk for 30 pages with people, multiple paragraphs? <laughs> like nowadays, I'm just like typing LOL or whatever. You know, <laughs> like I just. Yeah, exactly. I don't have the time or patience. Um, yeah. Now there's. Uh, I did want to talk a little bit about. What what is the big drama? The other big piece of drama right now is NFTs. Um, yeah, and I wanted to know what your thoughts were, just on NFTs and association with Sega NFTs and gaming, and just like, do do you think there's too much drama around them? Like, think, what, what's your what are yeah, your opinions? I mean, I, to be honest with you, I think there's too much energy put into them. Um, so it, we've we've established they are bad for the environment. Uh, a scam, <laughs> mm-hmm. overpriced, and uh, mostly a waste of most people's time. Yet, because the the obviously the effort into making them and the profit that can be gained from them is so high that of course everybody wants to jump on board because at the end of the day this is a conglomerate business gaming, and um, if there's money to be made, we'll we'll make money, right? So it's inevitable that games companies are probably going to jump on that. Um, but at the same time, I feel like if you, it's an easy win, right? To just be like, we're not doing this because it's bad for the environment mm-hmm. and you know, a lot of time and energy. Um, so let's, let's let's not do that. So yeah, um, I I haven't got an awful lot of energy for NFTs. The fact that we're talking about them every single day is quite <laughs> right um, <laughs> exhausting, <laughs> and I just wish people would move on and just be like. You do realize how silly this is. We're, we're buying images for inordinate amounts of money, and I know it's not really the image that you own. It's basically like a URL. Mm-hmm. Um, but scarcity is such a stupid thing. Like, what is the point of making anything digital scarce? Like, if it's going to be digital, it sh- there should be an, a considered effort to archive. That should always be the future of digital. It's like, okay, we're going to make something digital. It's now available to however many people, and it's archived on this website for. For all time, hopefully, right. Um, digital scarcity just seems like a, a real backwards move in any sort of you know environment um, on a digital space. 
so yeah um i did put a little comment out on the sega driven twitter when uh we the sort of um the trademarks for the sega nft showed up mm -hmm. um i know there's not really an awful lot of um there's a lot of discussion about whether that's going to happen or not maybe it's just them protecting their brand and making sure that um nobody jumps on their bandwagon and sega NFTs without Sega's involvement um but the fact that they've you know considered what's happening there and potentially might do it i just wanted to put a little statement out and say i just you know i don't appreciate sega going into this environment i would i would much prefer the company not do that and not create more bad things for the world <laughs> right um and also as well like it seems very counterproductive because sega did this big thing recently where they moved all the football manager packaging to be fully recyclable, mm -hmm. which was a lovely like gesture and something I, I would love to see more companies take on board. And yet they were considering, you know, doing NFTs, which are obviously bad for the environment. <laughs> so it just doesn't seem to work with the current climate of Sega at the moment. So, yeah, it was just a little bit disappointing to see the, the um, trademarks come up and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, I I mean you you said they're a waste of energy. I think they're and they're a waste of energy on on two fronts, like environmentally and just spending so much time talking about them. Like Exactly, exactly. I I was doing I think I was doing one of my like morning news shows um <laughs> and where I just kind of go through this what we posted on the site, chat about it. Um honestly, it's just a great way yeah. for me to uh take in what's going on myself, get a, you know, like a pulse on what people are thinking. And I think I said, like, I don't care about NFTs to the point where I don't really want to talk about them. And someone told and there was like a comment saying I should care about them and I should learn about them so I can like hate them better or something. And I'm like, <laughs> but that's but I don't want to like I don't want to learn so much about like there's movies and TV shows I look at and I'm like, I hate that. I'm not going to watch it. But I don't go online and talk about it constantly about how much I hate it. And I feel like that's just feeding into it. Um, I mean, like bad, any publicity is good publicity, they might say. So if I keep talking about NFTs, even if I'm being negative about it, people are like, well, they're getting the attention of people. Seem They seem to get stirred up when they talk about it. So there must be people who like it, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. You could fall e easily uh, the same sort of like, um Oh, what's it called? Where you like write something sensationalist on purpose for getting clicks? Clickbait. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, you could absolutely go full in on NFT and be clickbaity and just be like, okay, loads of traffic towards the site because that's the current talking point. But right. it would be hollow. You would be just like, I, I, I don't know about these things. Yeah, I'm having. I've put myself in a position where I have to write about them or have to feature them because it, it brings the traffic and it brings the revenue. But it's again it's you're writing for a fan site like you you should do the things that you engage with and you are passionate about mm -hmm. because otherwise it would just be like well i'm not going to do this for much longer because i've lost full interest you know? so yeah and it's the same the same thing with nfts i'd rather not engage with it because i don't have the time or energy and um it would just drive me insane. <laughs> <laughs> now there was something within within the the fandom community, like uh, Balan Wonderworld, where that oh was like the clickbait. Everyone had to write an article tearing it down, complaining about it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that that seemed to be like kind of like you know 
what I'm seeing at the internet at large with NFTs is it's like, well, this is something I don't really have an interest in. I don't have a full understanding of, but I don't like it. And I'm just going to keep talking about it. And it's almost like, uh, I don't know. Like, I I know I'm making a weird transition to Val and Wonderworld, but with NFTs, but it just seems like there are a lot of people who got bent out of shape over that game and i i've seen videos and articles and the, one of the first things they say is now i've only played the demo and i'm like then why are you right like don't don't write a piece yeah. about it if you haven't played the game um i haven't <laughs> exactly. played the game exactly. i played a demo i was i thought it was all right but not enough for me to want to buy the game but it's also not yeah. enough for me to have a, a firm opinion on it and start posting um hyper negative articles constantly i saw you kind of dipping into that what what are your have you played that game do you have a strong I opinion have, on Balan? yeah it draws from me because it's so so um yeah i was just at a point well I, I love me a 3d platformer um i've engaged in yuji naka's work over my life for quite a long time now might as well give it a go um and i do like it it's a fun little game like it's a good little exploration sort of collectathon style platformer there's lots of if you if you like if you engaged in piece of Jinaka or Napa work, you will enjoy the fact that the art style is very similar, it's got that sort of whimsy, it's got the Yujinaka one button controls, that's really fun. Like every he de- he dedicates the whole game to every action, every every move. It's 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 quite control scheme and make it work. And I think he's it's it's quite interesting to see how well he's dedicated his that that whole game to that concept. Um, but at the same time, like, yeah, I can see that there's things that don't work and I can see that there's things that wouldn't click with other people. But I feel like if you've got any sort of interest in 3D platformers, you should probably just give it a go, especially at the price it's at now. It's so dirt cheap. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's worth making your own mind up. I think, I think the problem with that game in particular was because, unfortunately, Yuji has become a bit of a whipping boy now. It's like he's associated with some of the worst excesses with the Sonic franchise. <laughs> Um, since he's left, he's kind of floundered and done all these weird bits and pieces that nobody's really quite engaged with. And I think, I think people want Yuji Naka to make a great game, but it's more entertaining. He fails for a lot of the, for a lot of the internet for some reason, and it's just it's a shame because he's obviously just you know he's a he's a game creator. He just wants to continue to do what he likes doing, and he's a programmer right. at heart. And it was nice to see him have. A project where he could lead on that and have a good time, but um, yeah, it's it was kind of it. It was a shame that he had, that project was almost like indicative of what his career was going to be after that. And right. I feel like because it undersold, he he is all you know kind of lost his footing at Square Enix and he has to kind of back to the drawing board sort of thing. I mean, he's got nothing to prove at this point. It's, no, it's, I, I just I just hope. He, I, I just hope he finds something that you know gives him the happiness. <laughs> like I've, I've seen him doing little mobile games and bits and pieces now, and it's nice to see him back to programming. And obviously, he enjoys that side of things. Um, so yeah, it's just it's strange, isn't it? It's just I, I feel like the internet really has it in for Yuji Naka for some reason, and it's just like, well, he did make one of the most seminal platformers of all time. Like we 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 right. And and same goes for Yu Suzuki too. I feel like people expect him. They're like, well, he needs to keep making those AAA massive hits. And you know, they are 
both Yuji Naka and Yu Suzuki already have some amazing games under their belts. They could have retired and just had that be that. So the fact that they're still working and doing something, I think, is commendable. Um, I, I never expected another Sonic the Hedgehog from Yuji Naka. Me personally, I never really saw him as a powerhouse 3D game developer. I always saw that his... Um, no, that's not really been his thing, is it? Like, he, right, he it's worked, 2D. So well within the 2D space and understanding momentum and physics and really making the Mega Drive sing, to be honest with you. like I think he did some amazing work there. Uh, but he's a programmer at heart. He's not really a director. He's not really a a franchise controller like that's not really his thing you know he came right. from a programming background so i think to to i think it's unfair to just you know judge his 3d work and his, his work as a director and producer over things where he actually had hands-on development like involvement and as a programmer i think that there's a real distinction that needs to be made there um and yeah, it's just, it, it, I don't know. It, the, <laughs> the internet has just decided, for whatever reason, that Yuji Naka's like a bit of a meme. <laughs> and it's like, it's funny to like take the piss out of him. Sorry, right. I swear. Um, but yeah. That's unfortunate. And I mean, I will say, I mean, here, Shot 2048, his mobile game, I absolutely love it. I think it's an awesome game. Oh, really? Um, it's. It kind of reminds me of um, the smaller little puzzle games that he would make, like Choo Choo Rocket or something like that, where there's just like, um, there's a kernel of an idea there, and then he takes it to, you know, kind of kind of perfects it. And, you know, you see that with Sonic, where it's like, what if we had a, um, uh, a platformer game where the character could roll into a ball and had like almost pinball physics to him, and it was like momentum-based... In this case, it's it's like, what if we had a dice game uh, with physics, and then the dice would m- merge with other dice of the same number and color, would multiply yeah. based on that number, and you had to use both um, uh, skill-based, uh, you know, flicking or, or yeah. shooting the dice, and math-based, and then you also had, like, the... the um, the area before it, the dice could not fall into that. So if you come up short, you have to shoot the next dice real quick to kind of almost uh, pool game it in. And there's just, yeah. it's such a simple concept, and yet it it is super addicting. And on, like, it sounds weird for me to say this, but like, I think it's one of his best works in years. And it's just a silly little mobile game. But yeah, it says, but like, it speaks a lot like to said, what he's, his... He's always excelled at that sort of thing. Like, exactly. I mean, like, Ivy the Keyword is a very similar thing, where it's just yeah. like, okay, I've got this interesting mechanic for making bridges. Let's have an auto-scrolling character, and, and we'll, we'll design some cool stages around it. Or, like, let's tap. It's like, I've, I've figured out a different way to use the, the Wiimote, and we're going to make some mini-games around that that really utilize that as a, as a concept. And it's like, I, I love those sort of things. I think they're really creative... I, I was a big fan of Let's Tap. I thought that was such a fun little minigame collection. So mm-hmm. different, so unique. And it could have only come out of the mind of someone like that who's obviously always looking for interesting things to do with tech. And just, yeah, it's it's it's, it's awesome to see him continue to find little mechanics and interesting things that he can do with current devices and, and you know, go back to programming and, and get hands-on. It's, it's, it's really cool to see. I, I, again, like, I do wish him well. I think he's been unfairly sort of like dumped on by the community Mm -hmm. at large it seems really a shame that someone like that is obviously making such interesting stuff and just having to face the wrath of a community that just like 
haha, you made a bad platformer for whatever reason. It's just like, right. And I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm glad he tried. I'm glad that he made it, even if it's not my, yeah. my favorite thing from him with Balan. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I do hope he sticks with it. I hope he doesn't retire permanently. And yeah, I yeah. would like to see more stuff from him that's on the level of that dice game I mentioned, or even like Let's Tap. Uh, there was the game few have played because it's uh, We Wear Only Let's Catch, which... Um, oh, God, yeah, yeah, where it's like the characters chatting with each other. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's just playing a game of catch, I think, with a kid, and he tells you about his yeah, life. Yeah. And it's such a... To me, it always felt like a very um, Yu Suzuki kind of game because he had a game about like an old man and a and like a peach or something or a tree, you know. Like it was just like <laughs> such a wacky concept, but I just I love yeah. it, and I, I think Yuji Naka would do well to maybe not not make some of the worst of the worst he did with Prope, which was like tap. There was like Tappy Bear. It was like tap the bear to make him stand, and it's just like what are you oh, doing yeah. with your time, dude? Um, yeah. But I would love to see him do smaller games like Choo Choo Rocket, like um, like the dice game I mentioned, like Let's Catch, where it's him using his programming skills and his yeah, yeah. his uh, finding something that's fun and then turn, expanding it into a full game. And I think that's his strength. So Absolutely. I wish him well. I think he should get a. I think he should get a, a lot more um, in terms of the Sonic stuff going on now, though. Like it kind of made me sad when he's like, "Oh, I had to go out and buy the Lego set." I'm like, "Why is he not getting that yeah, in the mail yeah. for free?" <laughs> you know, that must have been so. Can you imagine how bizarre it was? You would have been like the Lego store worker to be like. But you're Yuji Naka. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I, I would have just been. You you can have this. <laughs> right, exactly. Or with the Sonic movie, like, you know, obviously it's not their job to, like, reach out to him and ask him to collaborate or all or anything, no. but it would have been nice to maybe have, like, a cameo from Naka and, and Azuka and, and the, 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 old, the old guard, you know, of Sonic Team. And who knows, maybe they'll get to that by the third Sonic game or Sonic movie, but it yeah, just, yeah. it, it kind of feels like the Sonic brand's kind of disconnected from their their history. Um, and I guess it makes sense. I mean, you see that with a lot of big franchises now. Like, George Lucas isn't connected to Star Wars, even though he's, you know, no, alive and, and going to restaurants and stuff and just hanging out. <laughs> um, but I don't know. Like, these guys aren't going to be here for that long, so why not utilize them while you can? Bring them on as, yeah. you know, um, consultants for games mm-hmm. or... or or movies. I'm surprised that we're not seeing like um, Sonic movie posters from the original artists uh, yeah. or Crush 40. I don't think they're in. They've been teasing that they're in the movie, but then they were like, "Oh, we're not in the movie, guys. Don't worry." Don't <laughs> I think, um, yeah, I think Johnny is uh, kind of obsessed with the idea of being on a soundtrack and probably whatever royalties that brings but uh <laughs> um but yeah like I, I mean again but it would be nice right it would be nice to have that little touch because i know for a fact that the community has always been really into those moments when they when they happen and when they're few and far between like for example like the sonic x finale where you know it's playing live and learn in the japanese soundtrack and stuff and it's just like people really bond with those moments because it's like that's 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 excellent that they they you know cross transmuted all the the, the 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 media into one thing and it came together in this lovely little moment um and it would be lovely to see that in the movie as well because the movie as well like i i again it's another one of those things where i'm just like how can the fan community like 
see that poster and that trailer and go, oh, this is this isn't doing it for me. I'm like, <laughs> this is like everything about that franchise that you could possibly want encapsulated in a movie. Like, I'm just like, right. I'm like, I don't get it. Sometimes I really don't get how people can be like, look, it's it, it's that Sonic. That's Sonic. There's Sonic and Tails on the on the tornado and there's Buzz Bomb. Yeah, Doctor Robotnik is like Jim Carrey. Like, what the hell? Oh, yeah, absolutely mad. The first movie and the second movie, in terms of uh, the development and um, rollout, it's night and day, or I should say day and night, night and day, because yeah. the um, the first one was so misguided. Like, I don't know what they were thinking in getting that far in development that they thought that was what Sonic should look like and that, and even that that's what the plot of a Sonic movie should be. Now I think they band-aid over the, the design very well. Um, but you can't really fix the fact that Sonic is on earth. Um, his best friend is a cop named Tom. Um, you know, it's, it's such a bizarre, <laughs> it's so bizarre, you know, like I never would have thought in, in, it's weird, but I can. It's weird because, like, I think they needed to have a film where they establish a new set of rules to make the sequel work. It's strange. Mm-hmm. I can kind of see what they were thinking because it seems to have come together quite nicely for the sequel. Um, we needed to have an establishment so that you could get involved with the franchise and kind of understand the characters and how they work in a sort of real world scenario before mm-hmm. we go full. And now we're going to have. An invading force of robots coming from a different planet, and it's a right. it's a bald man in an egomatic. <laughs> I don't think you could have introduced those elements so quickly off the bat because I think to a normal moving going movie going audience, you kind of need to have some sort of grounded elements that kind of help mm-hmm. like you engage with the franchise. Because I think they wanted to really open the franchise out to a new generation. I think that's the idea. Is like, okay, here's the opportunity to to appeal to a new set of fans potentially and get them involved with the franchise but i think it would be weird to just go here's green hill zone he's running around right the rings. Yeah. i don't know i i always i come from the mindset where like i think a sonic movie could have worked if it was presented in fully cg and it was just like you were kicking off oh. a game yeah. and you had sonic's world robotnik but yeah if if you're going to do a live action one i it's very difficult to present modern Sonic as it is now in live action and really get a mass audience on board. Um, I don't know. I would be interested to see like what casual moviegoers think of Tom and Maddie. Like, you know, um, there's that Simpsons episode where they're watching, I forget what they're doing, but they have the kids with the dials and they're like, if you don't like what you see, turn it to the left. If you do like what you see, turn it to the right. And, um, (laughs) And they were like, "Oh, that one kid with the glasses really likes the bodybuilder." Um, but they had, but I have to imagine that most people aren't going to be like turning it to the right constantly when Tom and Maddie are on screen. Um, so I'm interested to see when the sequel comes out, and even if they do a third one, if their their roles lessen. I almost feel like they're going to kick the movie off, and Tom and Maddie will be like, "We're going uh, to go to um, her sister's wedding in Hawaii." Bye, and then you see them at the yeah. end of the movie. Um, yeah. It's kind of a trope now because I think the chipmunks did that in their live action. Like it's always like the humans disappear for the rest of the movie, and then it's a lot more um, like what people liked before. I mean, even Paramount's uh, Ninja Turtles did that with the sequel, Out of yeah. the Shadows, where it was like, oh, we got Bebop, Rocksteady, um, yeah, yeah. the classic theme song. So I'm I'm 
optimistic for the future of the films. I just, I always, I just thought, I just think it's so, it's so strange. I watch, we did a, uh, a lot of videos in, in the past and just seeing my reaction, I'm like, why is there a cop named Tom Wachowski in my <laughs> Sonic movie? And he has a poster, you know, or Maddie, like you see that, like Maddie and it's her name. I'm like, you yeah. show that to like five, uh, I don't know how old I was when Sonic came out, like eight year old me. And I would be like, this is the Sonic movie in 20. 20- 2020 yeah. what is going on yeah I know, I know what you mean it is it is bizarre but i think again like i don't think it was really made for the the core like old school fan base i think there, there there's definitely elements there that they have like tried to involve them with but mm-hmm. i think they kind of wanted to expand it out to almost like a new generation so that we can we can sell kids toys you know that's <laughs> uh, true games and we do have the Netflix one on the horizon, which looks to be a lot more like an Into the Spider-Verse sort of Sonic. Um, yeah, I'm really curious to see what that turns out to be like, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm assuming they're going to go CGI and not sort of 2D art, but um, mm-hmm. it, again, it's too difficult. It's too early to tell at the moment because we haven't even had a, an official trailer yet. So, um, right, yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't I'm, think I don't think it's going to be like... Um, actual other like it's not going to be like IDW Sonic Archie Sonic Sonic the Comic Sonic like that no, sort of thing. I think it's going to be more within Sonic's universe. You're going to see Baby Robotnik, uh, Grandpa Robotnik because they showed the like yeah. old and young. And I think we're going to see like new dimensions within like created just for that. Like you're going to see like yeah. Future Sonic, Past Sonic, maybe Baby Sonic. Um, and George, George did have a question. He couldn't join us cause he was uh, working, but, um, yeah. he wanted to know, cause you're Sonic Yoda. Like, what is your thought about there now being a baby Yoda and a baby Sonic existing around the same time? Like, <laughs> well, I, I, the moment they, they did the baby Sonic thing for the first movie, it was very much a case of like, this feels like we're capitalizing on the fact that the baby Yoda thing happened right and that we, it took off and people really sort of like took to that and merchandised it to, to absolute crap yeah. um so it just felt like a very similar case of just like well we can do that right and i'm sure it will be just as effective because the character's already cute so we're just making him even cuter <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah i it, it's strange it felt very forced with the sonic thing to be honest with you it felt very like we need to we need to do this because there's a merchandising opportunity right which was strange because they didn't do an awful lot of merchandise. For the no, film. not at all. Um, and stuff that's finally coming out is still kind of having elements of those old designs. I think there's a, a vinyl yeah. statue, but Sonic has like the laced up shoes. So, oh, you know, really? yeah. yeah, but yeah, it's in it. The, the baby Sonic, that's I think it didn't catch on the way they wanted it to. I think no. including it within Sonic Colors Ultimate was a really weird <laughs> oh, yeah. move. It makes me think they had old stock, and they were like, "We got to get rid of these keychains." Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, no, I agree completely. So bizarre, um, but yeah. So uh, before we wrap things up, is there anything you have planned in the short term for your site or for your YouTube channel? I know you talked about what was it, Art Alive? People seem <laughs> yeah, to really that's, want. That, that's on the horizon. I'm going to do an Art Alive video at some point. Um, yeah, so. It's going to be a similar thing. Um, I'm basically going to just uh, churn out video reviews of um, various games that I that were taking my fancy at any, any given point, and hopefully make an entertaining little video. So um, yeah, YouTube.com forward slash C forward slash Sega Driven if you want to 
watch me talk about junk and uh, have a good time <laughs> and <laughs> hopefully it will generally be Sega related I, I, I generally always keep it Sega related even if it is tenuous link um, but yeah that's kind of my thing is I like niche little Sega bits and pieces and I will always be trying to make something interesting and hopefully it's entertaining to watch um, in regards to the website obviously the news is you know the main sort of day-to-day focus um, if there's anything going on we're also reporting on the same sort of thing that Sega Vits are reporting but at the same time I would um, like to obviously put people's eyes on the hardware section and also the the information resources regarding merchandise that's mm-hmm. the stuff that I'm really passionate about and I'm always trying to add interesting bits and pieces to that to, to, to create a nice little information resource for people looking for random Sega stuff and obviously I've got a UK centric focus so if you are based in a different country you want to see what our merchandise is like then um mm-hmm. there's a good opportunity to see some weird stuff um so <laughs> yeah that's that's kind of the main focus going forwards um that's yeah sagadream.com if you want to check it out all the um links and social media stuff are on the on the main page so um mm-hmm. yeah that's it that's exciting yeah and um Definitely don't be a stranger. I think moving forward when I do these shows, I want to bring people back on, um, especially people within the community, because I love to hear different people's takes. I really want to do things like roundtables when games come out, like give it a week for the game to to simmer and then have people come on and just kind of chat chat about their experiences with it. We've got so much stuff coming out, so... I mean, once once we have some games and some uh, media, like I think the Sonic movie too would be a lot of fun to chat about. I'd love to have you back. Absolutely, um, oh, it'll be an absolute pleasure. Awesome. Well, hey, again, that is uh, Lewis Sonic Yoda SegaDriven dot com. Thank you so much for joining us. And the Segabit Swinging Report Show will be back in two weeks. I have a, a scary show. I'm scared because it might go completely wrong. I'm going to be doing a live demonstration of the Sega printer. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> so I'm going to roll out. It's going to be like an episode of Tool Time, if you've ever seen. You know, it'll be like <laughs> me sitting here with all the gear, and I'll be like doing it live. And I think my friend Steve's going to hop on. I'm going to do kind of like Japanese broadcasting, have him up in the corner just kind of talking and reacting <laughs> as I go. Um, Excellent. I really hope it works, though, because I don't want to power it on. I go, oh, it's broken i bought a broken unit um so maybe i'll test it before then (laughs) but um yeah more of that and yeah absolutely and and more community stuff so again thank you so much for coming on and have a fantastic night and we'll see you on the next episode of the sagabits swing and report show